Hello, Herd. Before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know our current planned movie schedule and guests. For December, on the 27th, we have A Christmas Story with our very own editor, Eli Ramsey. In January 2018, we will have two episodes. The first will be a Star Wars The Last Jedi panel featuring Adam Bash, Tim Lanning, Jennifer Cheek, and Michaela Ray. And that will drop on January 17th, 2018. On January 31st, 2018, we will have our annual Year in Review and Year in Review in Advance episode, which will feature 2017 in Review and 2018 in Advance, respectively. Now, keep in mind, these are always subject to change based on external conditions. So keep us in your Twitter feed, at Sacred Cows Pod, for the latest news. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Order, order. Now then, we have been talking about this all night, and we've got nowhere. Pete and Mike here. Hey, I'm Pete. I'm Mike. Stand accused of bringing sacred cows back to our peaceful village. And to an internet-connected peaceful village near you. Last Wednesday of the month, every month. See? They don't even apologize for their actions. They are unrepentant for their misdeeds. I don't see what the big deal is. It's just a movie podcast. Just a movie podcast? Just a movie podcast? It's sacred cows! Tonight. What? The podcast is called Sacred Cows Tonight. It doesn't matter. It's still sacred cows. Tonight. Now see here, Mike and Pete. The people of this community have suffered greatly at the past due to the sacred cows. Yeah, yeah. Tonight. And what the hell are you talking about, suffered greatly? It's a movie podcast. What's the problem? Did we make you feel silly for thinking you liked Batman Returns? You've destroyed more than our nostalgia, Mike and Pete. You and that haunted spirit you have following you around. Okay, that is a false accusation. Speak of the devil. Here I am. Oh, wait, never mind. Hey, disembodied voice guy. That's right. It's me. And I'm here to set the record straight for you folks on Mike and Pete here. Thank God. Well, let's hear what the eternal demon has to say. Thank you. Now look, I get it. Mike and Pete are complete assholes. Uh, and? Oh, that was all. Have fun killing them. Well, I think we have heard enough from the witness, uh... Let's light the torches and get the ropes. Wait, thieves! Stop these proceedings at once. Oh, what the hell now? Who exactly are you? It's George! That's right, and I'm here to set the record straight on Mike and Pete. Someone's already done that. Well, I'll say my piece. They're thieves. Sacred cows tonight isn't theirs. They stole it from me. Sacred Cows Tonight is mine by right. So what I'm hearing you say, Master George, is that you are responsible for Sacred Cows Tonight. You're goddamn right I am. After I took over Sacred Cows, they just copied it and called it Sacred Cows Tonight. 
He's George. He's George. So you are responsible for both sacred cows tonight and the original sacred cows? Yes. The sacred cows that came before the latest version and started it all? Yes. The sacred cows that has caused such hardship, pain, and suffering to all the good people gathered here today and is responsible for all of our ills and woes? Yeah. Wait, what? Let's get the villainous bastard. Seems like a good time to segue out of here, Pete. Pete? Oh, goddammit, he's grabbed a torch. It's Sacred Cows Tonight with your hosts, Mike and Pete, featuring Disembodied Voice Guy. With special guests, Fred Greenleaf and Matthew Morris, featuring the Sacred Cows Tonight band. And now welcome your hosts, Mike and Pete. Welcome to the Sacred Cows Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Pete. And with us today we have Fred Greenleaf. Hi everybody. And we have Sacred Cows player Matthew Morris. I'm back, baby. It's like you never left. Uh, Baby. Can't get rid of me. <laughs> right. So, uh, today we are here uh, to talk about the movie Young Frankenstein, uh, a Mel Brooks Gene Wilder collaboration project. However, before we do that, um, let's hear from our guests. We always like to start with the newest guest first. So, Fred. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, if you have anything you'd like to promote, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, but I did want to start off and, and just mention that um, it's actually, you, you mentioned my name, but it's pronounced Froderick Grandloff, just so that everybody's <laughs> clear. Um, I know it reads like you said it, but, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, Jeez, Mike. <laughs> I'm firing me. Yeah, so I um yeah I met Mike and and Matthew uh, at GeeklyCon a long time ago, and uh, we've been uh, talking since. And just a little bit of my about myself: uh, I live out in California. I have a beautiful wife and child, and uh, I am a small time podcaster. And I have a project uh, that I do with some friends called ArcLight, um, and you can find us at ArcLight Podcast uh, on Twitter. And uh, we play a uh, game right now called Coriolis. It's kind of like uh, Arabian Nights uh, meets uh, Firefly, uh, the RPG. So it's really cool. And, and uh, definitely, if you have time, uh, go check that out. Very Sounds v- cool. Yeah. Highly recommended. It's awesome, guys. All right. So, Matthew, right. Uh, we've yes. heard from you before. But, uh, yep. hey, what do you, what do you want to plug today and, uh, and anything new in your life? Um, uh, since we last recorded, I got engaged. I'll Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's been, it's been four months and, Jeez, yeah, and yeah. still there. Yeah. Yay. And yep. We're, and we're, and we're still living together. How wonderful. That's a yeah. milestone. It's good. I think, I think the four month anniversary is like the plastic anniversary. You got over the four-month itch. Wonderful. <laughs> oh. The three-month, I guess. I will send you some plastic silverware if that's uh, that's helpful. That's called plastic. Nice. Thank you. Okay. 
So we're here to ostensibly talk about the movie Young Frankenstein, but I wanted to take a moment uh, just to say that originally, when we had scheduled this episode, all four of us had talked about doing the movie Pulp Fiction, and given recent events uh, uh, to do with Weinstein and, and many other things happening in Hollywood, we just want to be respectful of people and do not want to support anybody who uh, hurts other people and basically makes money out of it. So... Um, in that respect, we decided to not um, do any Weinstein uh, movie at this time, uh, or probably ever. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, why we went, decided to go with Young Frankenstein, which uh, isn't about without its problems, but uh, the problems are in the movie and not in real life. So with that heaviness out of the way, let's talk about Young Frankenstein. So traditionally... Uh, we have our newest guest do a 10,000-foot plot summary of the things that happen in the movie. Fred, would you be interested in doing that, or are you going to pass to one of us? Well, I have already have it written out, so if you're ready, I could just read directly from my 10,000-page notes. Excellent, awesome. and nobody ever passes, so I'm glad you said that. It's not actually Fun an fact, option. the script is only 70 pages. <laughs> and I'm going to do it in the form of a Hamilton musical, so get ready. Uh, awesome. No, if you guys want to uh, take it, uh, please, I am uh, definitely ready to nope. hear you guys. Oh, no. Okay. Let's hear your 10,000 <laughs> words. You're already committed to it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so Young Frankenstein, uh, Mel Brooks movie. Uh, I love all of his movies. There are always great uh, humorous moments uh, from Mel Brooks movies. And uh, this one specifically, like you said, is a collaboration with Gene Wilder, who growing up, I was always a big fan of. Um, I've seen a lot of his movies, you know, from Blazing Saddles and, and of course, Young Frankenstein. And uh, recently rewatched it and, and forgot what uh, almost like a, a classic this movie is. Um, and a, a film style that I really don't see too often these days as well with the humor uh, that is in this movie. Um, but uh, basically, it's it's about uh, a young Frankenstein, uh, the, I think, great-grandson or grandson of Dr. Victor Frankenstein. Uh, and due to the, the shame of kind of like his... Uh, family background in the experimentation uh, that his family was involved with, uh, he calls himself uh, Frankenstein, uh, which he implies often during the movie. And uh, I believe somebody comes in and brings uh, essentially the will of, of his uh, grandfather and uh, brings him back to Transylvania to their estate, uh, where he finds out uh, that the experiments are possible, the experiment of bringing uh, the dead back to life. So uh, we go through a, a humorous romp of uh, these experiments and uh, he does it. He creates uh, a Frankenstein and uh, uh, essentially a Frankenstein monster, right? And at this point, uh, he is kind of reliving his grandfather's footsteps as he tries to uh, control his monster. I don't know if you want to take it away, Mike, uh, if there's anything else you wanted to add into that. No, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, and, uh, and it also was uh, remade into a musical in uh, late 2000s, zeros, mm. I think. But Which I didn't know if I had heard that in until the looking into this show. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's the 10,000-foot view of Young Frankenstein. Um, 
so now basically let's jump in is there anything um anything in particular that uh, we want to talk about let's go light first <laughs> yeah i feel like it's worth noting that this movie is frequently topping uh or coming close to topping the list for mel brooks movies um and actually just like general like best comedy of all time lists and things like that uh so that is worth noting uh like um well it doesn't matter so many lists are out there but it's typically um in the top 20 or um at least top half of greatest comedy films lists out there well i i was reading about it um he he, Mel Brooks himself says that he considers this his best uh, uh, written um, uh, comedy. Not necessarily his funniest one, but his best written one. And of course, like uh, Fred mentioned before, uh, it was co-written with Gene Wilder. Um, uh, the one thing mm -hmm, I noticed mm -hmm. uh, that, and I, I, I did some research to make sure that this was the case, um, was that it really, really looks almost exactly like the 1930s Frankenstein movie, uh, the Universal Monsters one. And it turns out that a lot of the props and things were actually just um, brought out of storage and, and used from that 1930s Frankenstein movie. It straight up oh, is that. Awesome. And if yeah, you that's nice. easy. Yeah, and if you notice the style and everything of the movie, I mean, it, with the way the credits and things happen on both sides of the movie... Um, it is totally set up to be that kind of movie, that 1930s style. It's, defi it's definitely a throwback. Right, it, it's meant to be emulating something. And so, Mike, there are definite, like you think, shot-by-shot shot remakes uh, or, or, you know, attempts to set the same scene. Oh, yeah. And, uh, as in those old and movies. And prop-by-prop, prop, I mean, too. That, I mean, that that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um, but also, like, the pacing of the movie and things like that is also similar to that. I mean, this movie is a 90-minute movie as so many Mel... Well, not 90 minutes. It's, it's like, a little longer than 90 105. Yeah. 105. Which is, you know, right on uh, Mel Brooks' uh, movies thing. But the pacing is about the same as, like, the 1930s Frankenstein movie, if you've ever seen that. I feel like that explains a lot, because pacing during my latest rewatch was bit of an issue i had watched this as i guess like at what i guess you could call a halloween party or something like that and it does not feel 105 minutes long it feels much much longer than that <laughs> um actually especially you know among the crazy party loving fun loving people that i hang out with uh so it, you mean a to hear that it was well no not in this case oh. but uh yeah he wouldn't have sat through it uh, there were some adults who didn't sit through it, in fact. But to hear that this is actually meant to be emulating like a 30s pacing for movies suddenly makes a lot of sense to me. I, I definitely think the... So I ended up watching it twice for this. Um, the first time I watched it was, you know, sit down after dinner um, with, uh, with with my fiancé. And... Uh, Congratulations! It, 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 Sorry. It it actually yeah I agree it did it did feel longer but then today I just kind of had it on in the background while I was doing something else and it felt like it almost flew by, which yeah. either says a lot about what I do in my spare time or <laughs> a lot about uh, what it is to actually sit and pay attention to the movie. Because if you're only coming in really to and you're you're hearing like the big jokes, then it it seems like a shorter film than sitting through a lot of the exposition and you know crawling through a creepy castle and 
uh, watching a, a um, oh crap, I lost his name. I forgot his name already. Um, Igor. Uh, Peter Boyle walk around as the monster for a long oh, time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some scenes that go on longer than you know modern sensibilities would probably have it go. Well, and we also got to remember this is what now thirty to forty years old too. On top of that, so we're probably used to a little bit of a, a quicker pacing. And on top of that, emulating something from the thirties with its kind of like long drawn out scenes and the the off screen stares and stuff like that. Um, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, I forgot how fun this movie was and, and it was a nice touch with like the, the black and white filming and everything that emulated that original Frankenstein movie. It is very solid and well-written uh, for sure. And Mike, as we've mentioned with the uh, Spaceballs, the very first episode we did talking about Mel Brooks, uh, he's usually more like the rapid fire joke machine gun. Like we see in things like Robin Hood men in tights or, or, well, I don't, I don't, I guess I haven't seen Blazing Saddles in a while, but you know, his, his jokes are meant to, you know, uh, fire off rapidly and then hit every once in a while. But this mm. one I think is, is a much slower pace with the jokes, but each one I think is, is written with a lot more care perhaps as a way to put it. How do, how do you feel about the charade joke? Mm. Charade joke. Went on a long time. Like yeah. a lot of the things oh. in this movie. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that was one. Yeah. Yeah, you, and it give ke- him a set of give, and it keeps coming back, too. I mean, that's that's a Mel Brooks thing, is like the callback. Well, I did enjoy seeing Gene Wilder choking Marty Feldman, made his eyes bug out even farther. It was kind of funny. Yeah. The uh, the other thing that I noticed too um, is uh, not just is it black and white, but it was uh, it's super like super faithful to that um with like the film grain and things like that and it turns out uh, again um they ended up using that same um kind of film stock which is hard was hard to get to even in the 70s that they used in the 1930s frankenstein movie so geez oh it's the same film stock yep that thick celluloid and stuff like that so it's uh extremely hard to come by and it was even expensive uh when they uh, made it back then because they begged uh, Mel Brooks to shoot it in color. And uh, he said, no, that was the vision was like, this is a parody of those old movies. So we can't do that. You know, Frankenstein always looked better in black and white anyway, because it looked a little bit cheesy in color. Oh yeah. I, and I I noticed that if you look at the, uh, the poster for the movie, they like colorized it. So like, yeah, Peter Boyle as the as the monster, the creation or the creature, the monster is uh, like a blue color, which is, hmm. it makes it look a little a little funny. But I think that that's also a throwback to those old Universal monster movies. Probably the poster. Get them in the door with color, but then they sit down for the black and white. I guess Mel Brooks is kind of uh, well. He must be interested in historical filmmaking. I know he made a what? Didn't he make a silent movie also? What was uh, that called? No. Uh, blazing saddles. No. <laughs> All right. So there were times they should have been silent in that movie. Let, let's let's talk about the characters. I think Fred. What is your favorite character out of this movie? Oh man. Um. I mean, I guess I guess you would. I, I mean, I don't know. I would say Gene Wilder's character, uh, Frederick uh, Frankenstein von Frankenstein. Um, I think he's an amazing actor and, and, and he, there's a lot of great scenes with him 
uh, definitely taking over. But I think uh, Igor or Igor is is a close second for me. All right. What about you, Matthew? Uh, you know, I, I really like Igor as the, the comedic relief in this to help with those long scenes because pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth is a joke. So it, it just it feels more relieving to to have him on screen talking rather than uh, the sometimes a little a little too much exposition. Uh, uh, Frederick Frankenstein. Mike, what what about you? Oh well, I really I really was an Igor fan. I I really enjoyed uh, Marty Feldman's performance and uh, especially like the most uh, thing that sticks out most in my mind is the uh, part where they're looking at all the different skulls and how long the person's been dead. And then Igor is there in the last one, you know, <laughs> doesn't it say just brain Freshly dead? dead? Freshly dead. No. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Freshly dead. <laughs> and then, Freshly you know, his dead. little song, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I never, I never, I thought that that was prosthetics. I never knew anything about Marty Feldman. And then that turns out that's what his eyes actually looked like, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. I'm a big movie fan, or else we wouldn't be doing this show. And I don't remember having seen him in anything else. He's got a couple of uh, acting credits, but a lot of his stuff was uh, writing credits. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna throw my vote in for Cloris Leachman. Um, obviously, Igor is hilarious, and I love a good zany, funny, crazy character. But Cloris is a funny, super funny actress and she's got a uh, great timing with all of her lines um her interactions with gene wilder i think are pretty awesome the whole horse thing is funny i don't care it is <laughs> the horses screaming in terror whenever they hear her name that kind of thing just just her performance is really quite fantastic um in this movie and for over the top i'm gonna go with kenneth Ma- kenneth mars the uh like inspector. police inspector with the fake hand it's a little too over the top, but seriously, it's giggle worthy. I'll put it that way. You know what? I Cloris Leachman's character in this, the Frau Blücher character, is a very. Uh, it, it's that it's that other piece that ties not only that whole idea of you know we're th- we're filming something that looks like it could have been from the 1930s, but also that transgenerational gap between Rick, Victor Frankenstein and Frederick Frankenstein trying to bring the whole thing together right yeah she drives the plot forward quite a bit you know yeah leading him to the secret library and just well, basically setting him up to be the old man be just like his granddad what do you guys feel i think about the um the inga character obviously you need to have a character like that um <clears throat> well no you don't but in this movie it works out i guess um a little surprising to see terry gar uh with a terrible german accent uh in that role but i suppose she does well enough playing her part which is being swept along with the action the character who says one thing that is uh the literal version of idioms (laughs) yes essentially you know i i also enjoyed um gene wilder's uh I guess girlfriend, uh, the socialite, uh, Madeline Kahn, yeah. uh, and oh, in that She's first great. interaction, uh, as he's like leaving to get on the train and, and the, the constant kind of like block or quip with, uh, him mm-hmm. trying to show affection. And I thought that was really funny. Oh yeah. That, that was, don't great. wrinkle my taffeta. Yeah. Yeah. My lipstick will smear. 
Not the hair. Yeah. Yeah, not the hair. I love you so much. Taffeta, dear. Taffeta, darling. Yeah. yeah, don't wrinkle it. They like rub elbows and he blows her a kiss and she flinches. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's going to like mar her makeup. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, I never, I, I actually, the, uh, I think I appreciated the, the subtle humor with, um, with the Inga um, and uh, uh, Frederick Frankenstein relationship uh, more this time watching it. Just because I, I, you know, he is like, I'm not, when he comes, he's like, I'm not going to get swept up into this whole Frankenstein business, you know, and I'm ashamed of that and blah, blah, blah. And he's trying not to be that. And then, uh, then he ends up getting swept up into it. And he's so oblivious that she's like totally into him from the moment she sees him, you know, that he finally doesn't, it doesn't hit him until the end, you know, all of her. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> trying to you know seduce him basically throughout the movie <laughs> it's a little bit silly how the plot unfolds there yeah like you said you know he absolutely disgusted by the frankenstein name and how it's you know a disgrace uh, uh and that kind of thing then as soon as he gets there he's like gotta find that book gotta find out how he did it you know like yeah. uh <laughs> i don't know as I, I don't think watched over by uh various portraits of victor frankenstein that looks just a little bit like gene wilder just a little bit like for sure i guess examining the plot too closely in a movie like this is maybe like i don't know looking for existentialism in a care bears movie or something i mean it's, it's not there. there so uh so what are your some of your favorite scenes uh i like when uh the monster gets loose and uh I like the two scenes where one he's with the the little girl uh, at the well, and uh, I also like the one with Gene Hackman. Oh yeah. God, is there, is I like it, that one bo- too. Those are both good scenes. Is that the one with uh, the the blind uh, man? Yeah. Oh yeah, the blind hermit. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> he's so young in that. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> yeah, he he delivers delivers a pretty funny little monologue, basically talking about how lonely he is and like, please God, send me a companion. And then unfortunately, it's you know six foot eight Peter Boyle or whatever, who just goes <clears throat> throughout the whole movie. A, a mute and a blind man. Yeah, right. Oh God. Jokey thing. Yeah, I love the scene. That's that's the where the the physical comedy really comes like comes in its own in the movie. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of you know breaking the fourth wall and the you know walk like this joke uh, at the train <laughs> station, but mm-hmm. walk this way, walk this way, this yeah. way, tap tap tap. And yeah. they reuse that one in um, uh, Men in Tights. Yeah, <laughs> I love the which I love it. I love I the think. end of the 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 Gene Hackman beggar scene when he's like, and I was going to make espresso. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. This might not translate to radio too well, but the the part where Frau Blucher and yeah and Froderick Frankenstein uh, like he just wants to go to bed and she's just like, "Can I make you a glass of warm milk, perhaps?" And he's like, "No, I just want to go to bed." And she's like, "Ovaltine," and he's like, "Fuck <laughs> you! I want to go to sleep, damn it!" Okay, that's that's a paraphrase. And then but, the uh, I guess also the uh, the. The what I'll call the King Kong reveal, uh, aka putting on the Ritz. Oh, oh that yes. was gonna be yeah. my favorite too. <laughs> yeah, I just don't laugh at that one that much anymore. I mean, I mean, I love it when they when they sing putting on the Ritz, but like I don't know the weird howling that the monster does. I'm just kind of like, Ugh. yeah. But but you know, 
still funny and drives the plot forward in a strange freaking way. Why was that his plan? Why was that his plan to unveil the monster? He's a man like, of high society. Yeah, right. <laughs> a man. Of high functioning town. man of our times. I don't know. I appreciate the musical number. How tall is Peter Boyle? I mean, he's pretty tall as it is. And then he, if you see in that scene, he's on. Yeah, he put the platform, platform shoes. shoes. <laughs> yeah, with those shoes, quite tall. Yeah. Six two. Holy crap. Yeah, I thought I thought he was pretty good. In, um, he's pretty good at physical comedy. And honestly, um, uh, I. It's almost all he got in this movie. Right. The, the first time I saw this movie, I had no idea who he was. And then I remember watching Everybody Loves Raymond in the 2000s and then uh, catching this movie on like TBS, of course, Cut to Hell uh, afterwards. And I'm like, wait a second, that's the same you know, guy as the... Is that Peter Boyle? Yep. Jesus. <laughs> Grumpy old uh, uh, father-in-law. Frank Barone. Yeah, yeah so, but Ugh. not nearly as big uh, tall in that movie because he's not on platform shoes. So, or sorry, TV show, TV show. Something I noticed about Gene Wilder's performance in this movie is that he repeats himself a lot for dramatic effect, and I guess after a while it got a little old for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I don't want to say that his performance wasn't inspired and genius, and good lord, look at his facial expressions and how he, like, screams some of his lines. (laughs) Yeah, like, like he he must have really lost his voice doing some of of those uh, scenes. Right. And like when like they're he's getting raised up to do the like lightning experiment up up on top of the castle. And he's like, ever since man crawled out of the anus of the primordial ooze, he has been, you know, whatever. You know, it's just like but that's, that's one of those old school monologues. Absolutely. I liked that a lot. But the thing where he's just like chained, chained or failure. I'm a failure. Something like that. I was just like, come on, get on with it. Maybe that's the way they talk oh, God, in those the, old the movies. The destiny thing when he first gets to the castle. <laughs> destiny, destiny, it's the thing that's for me, or whatever. What we talk about know. it, the less I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's just things about it, you know, yeah, like, we're, 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 we're I, really I don't, I don't know how to put words, it. I don't know how to put words to it, but like, you know. Funny, I think funny is sometimes something that they do it and then they move on from it. And it was a moment that was funny, but you can overdo certain elements, I think, if you keep revisiting them. Yeah, like the Frau, the Frau blew her, uh, you know, the horses thing every time they say her No, name. no, that's funny every time. <laughs> really? To you? Sorry, not that. Okay. I that's, feel like, I feel like they I mean. did all of those a lot earlier in the movie and they needed one like in the last scene somewhere. That's true. They kind of just did it's that three in late, a row. late movie callback. And Igor should have gotten the girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Igor is definitely you. You kind of feel bad for him, but he's also just kind of he's he's the slapsticky, you know, sidekick that you know, sort of lovable and goofy. There, there's really one in every Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. It's John Candy in Spaceballs. It's Dave yeah. Chappelle in Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's actually mm-hmm. Gene Wilder in Blazing Saddles. Okay, so there's a, there's one scene that's problematic, and I think if we talk now is a good time to talk about that and kind of get this uh, this this over with. And uh, <laughs> there is actually a sexual assault in the movie. 
and it's used as yep, we tried to avoid it <laughs> by not going with uh, pulp fiction but right lo but and we, behold we, one, we, one we all put on our here. blinders before we uh actually sat down to watch it and then we all watched it and we we're like oh yeah oh god about that one none of us collectively remembered that so so the the yeah. scene basically um is that the monster who has been played in the whole movie as being gentler than, you know, than uh, people give him credit for. And that's the story of um, Frankenstein in general, um, any any interpretation of it, um, basically kidnaps uh, uh, Gene Wilder's character's uh, wife, who's uh, Madeline Kahn, right? That's the actress. and yeah, Or uh, Madeline. Madeline. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. Elizabeth is the character, right? Name, is that it? Yes. Yeah, Elizabeth. And so the monster kidnaps Elizabeth and takes her to basically uh, a cave, and, and basically, wasn't it a graveyard? Oh, it's a graveyard. You're right. Might have been a graveyard. Yeah. And he sexually assaults her, and the the joke that they're trying to set up there is forces himself on her. Yeah. Okay. Well, same thing. But the the joke that they're trying to set up there, they, which they already set up earlier, was that. Um, you know, the monster would have you a big... He an enormous Schwanstucker. Yeah. He has an enormous Schwanstucker. And she, she basically ends up loving it and falling in love with the monster. And later in the movie, she ends up with the monster because he has an enormous Schwanz. And even though that scene is... I got to admit, I did not feel good about that. Uh, and you shouldn't. No. Um, that is not cool, but... That's what they were trying to do. But it was it was played up for laughs, and you know, there's I guess Madeline Kahn delivering kind of quippy dialogue the whole time. But uh, sign of what was okay in Hollywood forty years ago, I suppose. And and you really do see this kind of thing in older movies. Like I'm thinking of a Marilyn Monroe movie right now, where like the good guy basically does that but he's still the good guy at the end of the scene so it's like oh that was okay once upon a time i mean i doubt it but it's that whole it's that no 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 becomes yes you know right if exactly you, if you that's persist what I'm trying to say and then yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a trope it's, that needs to yeah. die and i i don't it's one of those things like with this particular movie um you know especially the way the monster was played up even more gentle than if you've like seen like the 1930 Frankenstein and stuff like that with like, you know, Peter Boyle is like playing with a little girl and things like that. Um, it could have been done in such a more thoughtful way to still get the joke across. I'm sure that Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder not, did not write it with, you know, badness in their hearts. No. But even so, it shows shows a level of insensitivity. Yeah. It, and we we were talking about this before we started the recording. It's not. It's not like that. That it is played solely for a joke. It's not like any sort of commentary or. Um, they're not trying to address an issue. They're just doing it as part of a, a joke. It's a it's it's a dick joke that they took the right. wrong way to write it. Basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's um yeah, like Matthew, I believe you're alluding to Blazing Saddles where yeah. they say the N-word 500 times throughout the course of the movie and right. it's 
but it, it's it's a story about how a black care or in, a black sheriff comes to town and you know wins over the affection of the town they realize you know he's not a bad person in fact he's like the savior of the town and he's probably smarter and better than everybody else there mm-hmm. yep yeah there's there's an actual purpose to the message there right for sure Mel Brooks does not shy away from controversial, or I should just say crass <laughs> things, I think, in his comedy. Uh, History of the World Part 1, I believe, has some of that kind of thing, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, like yeah. a lot of it. It's good to be the king, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it's unfortunate, but it exists in um, older movies, I suppose. And there you have it. So here's a, here's a fun fact, because I was just checking. This movie's rated PG. Oh, oh! How delightful! I was checking because mm. Bla- yeah, Blazing Saddles is R, Spaceballs is PG, Robin Hood Men Tights is PG thirteen, History of the World Part One R, Young Frankenstein PG. Hmm. Well, you know that scene. I think in the old days, PG meant swears. You were sneaking Parental things. Guidance. Suggestion. You were sneaking things past the kids that they wouldn't notice when they were looking right at it, basically. This mm-hmm. would be one of those things. I mean, there's nothing you know, uh, hit you over the head violent going on, so a kid may just not understand it. No, I mean, I guess it's all I, because it's not really on the screen. It's very uh, innuendo. Yeah, it's but innuendo. It's, but it's I mean, for an adult to, you know, contextually to, like, watch it, you're like, yes, I know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I, I don't think this would be a PG nowadays, just like Jaws would uh, no. would not be a PG nowadays either. That would be an R, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it would be a lot more gory, well, too. But until the 80s, yeah, until the 80s, there was nothing between. So if it wasn't, if it wasn't really bad, you probably got a pg rating well actually this came out the same year as blazing saddles so we always uh, we have a few questions from the audience um the our discussion just now was uh the question from craig hart so um thanks for um you know sending in your question as well um so we've got i'm glad we got a chance to address the issue yeah yeah uh we've got Two more questions about this movie from at Tokan. What is your favorite oddity of Inspector Kemp? I noticed a few myself uh, that I didn't see the last time uh, this time. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So I'll let we'll let Fred go first. Well, I I think it's just funny that uh, in in the first scene when he's speaking with uh, Gene Wilder's character and they're playing darts of all things kind of like casually when gene wilder turns around he literally cheats and places all of the darts on the dartboard and then utilizes like his (laughs) wooden hand to like simulate the noise of darts hitting the board and i thought that was uh pretty funny but uh there's he's got a lot of interesting characteristics okay matthew um my favorite is so there's a lot you remember about the character. You remember the wooden arm when it gets stuck. You remember that he has an eye patch and also wears a monocle over the eye patch. But my favorite part is when he's talking to the townsfolk and he starts going off in his speeches and it gets to a point where his accent is so thick that even the the villagers do not understand him. 
Ja, das, das Woodsteps, Woodsteps. What? Woodsteps. <lacht> oh. Peter. Mike, what do you think? What, what do you like? Oh, oh okay. Uh, you know, I just like the fact, I mean, yeah, he's like a spot the weird, you know, how many weird things can you see about this character? Um, I kind of like the fact that he's Kenneth Mars, the unrepentant Nazi from the producers, only playing such a bizarre, outlandish character, uh, almost unrecognizable, you know, heavy makeup, those giant mutton chops and all that. Um, I didn't even realize he's the same actor. Yeah, totally him. Yeah. Huh. Totally him. So kind of a Mel Brooks alumni, alumnus, I should say. But um Yeah, it's just a weird son of a bitch. <laughs> That's what I like about him. <laughs> Mike, anything anything else that you noticed about I him? I just like um you know, Fred mentioned it earlier, all the exaggerated uh things with the arm, you know, that he's like, you know, making it ratchet into different positions and things like that and uh, i I especially like right in the beginning when they introduce him and he's lighting his cigar and his his fingers (laughs) putting his finger in the fire that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty i mean you you know what you're getting when you know they they kind of introduce him as this badass guy and then like oh yeah he's a he's a goofy goofy dude yeah i think like his picture should be in a textbook entry for over the top. It's just crazy. Oh, and I love it when when uh, when when uh, Frederick Frankenstein is throwing all his darts out the window, and then they all end up in <laughs> in the inspector's tires you as he's leaving. Frankenstein, yeah. cat. <laughs> so uh, there's there's something I meant to bring up earlier, and I completely forgot. So. I'm so used to seeing Mel Brook Mel Brooks in his own films. And I, I could have sworn I remember him being in this movie. And then after watching it the second time, I'm like, all right, he's definitely not in it. Until I looked like at the, the credits. or anything? His voice he is in it, and that's it. Was his, his voice is in it. He was the voice of Victor Frankenstein uh, when there's that like kind of sort of flashback. And then he's also the cat that gets hit by the dart. And uh, <laughs> he's also the werewolf. Might have the, one other thing. He's also the werewolf. Yeah, the werewolf. The werewolf. I'm jealous. He made such a better cat yowling off screen sound than I was ever able to produce. So, all right. Well, I think that about covers it. Uh, we'll be right back with the verdict. <laughs> Welcome back to Sacred Cows. We're still here with Frederick, Matthew, Peter, and myself, and talking about Young Frankenstein, and now is the time that you've all been waiting for, where we decide if this movie is sacred. Bovinus Sanctorum! Or, if it should be put out to pasture. Bovinus Excommunicano! (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... Uh, we always give our guests the opportunity to go first. So, uh, Frederick or Matthew, which one of you wants to do, uh, give your verdict on this film? Uh, Matthew, why don't you go first? Okay. I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but I got some thoughts. So, um, you know, we, we, we kind of bashed on this film a lot during, uh, during this, uh, a lot of a lot of thoughts on it and uh honestly watching the movie that the ones the scene in question uh, 
where the the monster thrusts himself upon uh, the poor unsuspecting Elizabeth uh, really kind of soured the taste I had. But it, if I could, t- well, uh, excluding that, I could look at it and say I did enjoy this movie. I think it's fun. I remember the jokes. They're the kind of jokes that I would want to share with other people. It's a movie that I, like, before this past weekend, I hadn't seen it in a long time. And as soon as I saw it on Netflix, I was like, I want to watch this movie. I love this movie. It's a great movie. And I, you know, I watched it twice in preparation for this. And, you know, I still laugh at it. And I still think there's there's a lot of good jokes in here. I don't think it's Mel Brooks' best work, but I do think that it is a classic. And I'm willing to say that this movie is sacred. Yeah, so uh, I guess <clears throat> I agree with Matthew uh, in a lot of ways. Um, it's been a very long time since I've seen this specific movie and, and really any of Mel Brooks' movies. And uh, I, I remember watching it growing up and watching it recently, it, it kind of brought back those memories. And, and like Matthew said, I chuckled out loud and, and laughed at a lot of the jokes that were in it and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I think there were some good scenes. It was a little drawn out at certain points, um, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I think it had a, a good feel to it uh, for the most part. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, I, I think this is a, a sacred as well. Um, yeah, there are a lot of things to like about this movie. Um it's 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 got some funny jokes there are some very fun sacred moments in this film i'm going to be honest and say you know uh sexual assault jokes aside which definitely was uh, a huge detriment to this movie i just didn't enjoy it or find it as funny as i have in the past i think back on this movie as yes this is a hilarious movie i love this movie like uh matthew morris said but when i go back and watch it it's just like i don't know i just kind of sit there you know laughing every once in a while but the pacing whether it's deliberate or not um the fact that the jokes just they seem a little tame um rambling a little bit here but what i'm trying to say is i don't know if i could call this movie sacred for me it has a lot of very funny moments to it and if you're doing a mel brooks well actually if you're doing a mel brooks marathon don't show this one because it might just end your marathon everybody would fall asleep or something like that just this the the pacing is not quite what say mm, space balls or um uh, men in tights would be so I don't know not not sacred for me there's things to like about it it's funny I don't know if I'll watch it again okay well um, I am going with not sacred and now I've just uh, doomed this movie to a tie because uh, we have four people today get a tiebreaker <laughs> well, let's call somebody up I don't know um, <laughs> anyway uh, for me it oh, was I can ask Molly you could uh but let me let me speak first uh so for me yeah i it's hard for me to get past the whole uh sexual assault thing uh forcing himself upon her uh that's just just, it to me this movie is so smart otherwise that it was such a disappointment um with somebody who you know Mel Brooks, who I admire, and Gene Wilder, who I admire, 
I, you know, that probably wasn't their intention, obviously, but you know, it's the, it's the hindsight 2020 thing. And I, I think they could have done it in a smarter way and still got the same, you know, haha, big dick, you know, joke across. But um, that said, there's a little bit of what Peter is saying is sort of bleeding through. I feel like um, there's very smart jokes in certain parts of the movie and there's other parts of the movie that I just think is not uh, as funny to me as other Mill Brooks movies. If you had an hour-long cut of this movie, do you think that would sort of, you know, make it change your opinion on it? I'm telling you, having seen the movie, and I think the plot is pretty funny, um, I'd be willing to watch, like, a a clips show on YouTube and probably laugh my butt off for, you know, uh, 25 minutes or whatever. Oh geez, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut, it's, cut that much with the knife. <laughs> I was just uh I mean, I, if you if you made it an hour long, you're cutting 46 minutes out of it or 45 minutes out of it. I don't know, you know, does it need a uh director's cut or a modernization cut or something like that? I mean, I don't know. I've seen it, you know, it's funny, but the, you know, it's I don't want to say boring, but it suffers from, you know, holding my attention not so well, basically. Mm-hmm. And I do get that way with movies sometimes. I'm not saying I wouldn't recommend this to somebody who'd never seen it. Yeah, I'm, for I'm me, it's not necessarily the modern pacing not... issue as much um, as Pete it was. It was just, it wasn't, uh, there were scenes, like I said, there were scenes where I thought were super clever and well done. And there were other things that were not as clever as I expect Mel Brooks to be. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, clever, stupid is kind of what his his shtick is with the other movies, where it's really clever and that's dumb as hell. You know, you think about Spaceballs, you, mm-hmm. you think of you know about uh, Men in Tights or Blazing Saddles or other things like really smart, dumb humor. And I don't think there was enough of that for me for what I was expecting from a Mill Brooks film. Igor is sacred, though he's Floris uh, <laughs> Leachman, Frau Bloker. There's there's good things about this. Movie. Oh yeah! Don't get me wrong. There there are good things about this movie. Do we want to break the tie? Do we want to ask Molly or? She said, "Not sacred." Whoa! Whoa. All right. Okay. Well, I guess uh, this has been only by the result of a referee. A not sacred. <laughs> Did she flip a coin or any any words of wisdom for us? Or she she gave me a look and said, "Not sacred." <laughs> okay with no All context right. either. i think i know exactly what you're talking about no that's that's good I've seen that, that was a look that was a look that I've said that of one. course it's not sacred of course it's not <laughs> sacred <laughs> all right well uh this is not this one uh young frankenstein not sacred all right we'll be right back with our, our closing thoughts and uh promos <laughs> Well, thank you uh, for listening to our episode on Young Frankenstein. And thank you, Frederick and Matthew, for joining us. Frederick, uh, can can we uh, maybe have you back for uh, another movie sometime? Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely enjoyed this. And, and I truly appreciate you guys having me on. And I, I definitely want to explore uh, different movies and uh, be able to pipe in a little bit more. 
Um, but you guys can uh, definitely find me uh, at I think I'm Fred on the Twitterverse. And, um, you know, if you're interested in hearing some real play uh, podcast games, uh, you can find us at Arclight Podcast. So, yeah, definitely give it a listen. Give it a try. All right, Matthew. Yes. You for sure will be back uh, probably uh, sometime in a sketch where you're not necessarily on the episode if you're still willing to do those. So where can people find you and what do, uh, what thing do you want to have people listen to for you recently? Uh, man, one day uh, I'll be on a podcast with, with Mike. That'll happen someday. <laughs> it's not this. <laughs> Uh, but you can find yeah, me, me in the meantime over on t- Twitter at Matthew M. Morris. I'm spitting hot fire at 280 characters a time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete, uh, since you're on Twitter, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, uh, even though I had to delete the app to make room on my really old phone. Uh, what is my handle? Oh, it's um, at not underscore wheat, W-E-E-T underscore Pete. It was a mistake. I'm sorry. Listen to the back episodes to to hear about that. But um, really, you can get into quicker contact with me by getting in touch with my wife at DirtyMM86, who is on Twitter (laughs) all the time. All right. And I'm on Twitter at WhiteMorph. You can find us at Sacred Cows Pod and send us your thoughts, questions, uh, criticisms, snide remarks. Uh, Especially criticisms. We love it. Yeah. Try to yeah. keep it nice. And uh, occasionally disembodied voice guy pipes in when he's not just leaving us to die. Um, also, you can send us your, your long-form uh, emails or thoughts at sacredcows at heroofweb.com. That's sacredcows at heroofweb.com or heroofweb.com. You know, however you choose to spell it, it's the same thing. And that is all we have. So once again, thank you, Fred and Matthew, for joining us today. It's been fun. Been a pleasure. Good night, everybody. Sacred Cows Tonight is a production of Sacred Cows Tonight. Executive producers, Mike and Pete. All sketches were performed by Frederick Greenleaf, Matthew Morris, Mike, and Pete, and were edited and produced by Pete. The sketch Town Meeting was written by Pete with assistance from Matthew Morris. Main portions of the episode are edited by Eli Ramsey. Want to contribute your sketch to Sacred Cows tonight? Email us your script or proposal to sacredcows at heroofweb.com. That's sacredcows at heroofweb.com. <laughs>